Jeff. Hey, Jeff. Welcome to Hey, Jeff, a podcast called Hey, Julie, which is a podcast about Survivor. Danielle, how are you today? Spooky season. It's the culmination uh, of spooky season. I'm so happy because, yeah, it's Halloween. Oh, that's much smarter uh, yeah. <laughs> than what I said. <laughs> and I'm going to a spooky haunted house tonight. Oh, this and uh, this is like where you, you walk through and like mm-hmm. zombies and scare you. Are you doing the like red dot on the head? Where so you it's get not, it doesn't have choked? that option actually. Okay. It's, it's, it's kind of a classy haunted house. <laughs> oh, it's like a sleep it's, no more. Yeah. It, well, it's taking place at this place in Toronto called Casa Loma, which translates to Castle Loma. <laughs> um, and it's it's like a fancy place where people have weddings and stuff. But it's this huge building that they really transform. And like, it's a nice, long enough, like walking tour haunted house kind of thing. So... I'm very, and they do amazing light shows on the side of the building and they have a bar. Not that I can imbibe, but I'm sure I'll take a sip. Um, So it's going to be really fun. Is it scary or is it like, is it, is it that the castle itself haunted and they're doing like a tour of like, oh, there might be a ghost here? Or is there like, we have a chainsaw doctor no (laughs) well there's it's a mix of both honestly it's not like actors touching you um especially now with covid we're very very cautious here in canada but um but it's like they try to weave in that the castle itself is haunted and it's just kind of an eerie place but then you go all through the castle and all through the grounds and like under and into the basement where normally like the whole the the location isn't open, so it's it's cool. They do a good mix of it all. Okay. It was $35 a ticket. Canadian, that's a lot. Canadian. So that's like $50. You know us. my favorite tweet of all time. If I'm paying $40 for a haunted house, I better die. <laughs> 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 one of my favorite tweets. Um, that's so a good one. Very, very excited. And then on Halloween, we're going to give out candy to the children. And I... My husband's dressing up as Indiana Jones, and I am dressing up. Pardon the boulder. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I should. That is what I should do, actually, because I was like, I'll be snakes, and (laughs) I was like, it's very hard to be a snake. Actually, Halloween spirit did not have snake costume, so I was like, okay, I'll buy a green wig and green makeup and fangs, and I'll be a snake. (laughs) But then I realized. I have to paint my face green. <laughs> I don't want to do that. You're going to look like old Greg on that show. That's <laughs> what I, I've never seen. it. I know the reference. No. Yeah. No fielding or whatever. Yeah. yeah, probably. So I'm having second thoughts and I don't know if I'm actually going to end up doing that. And you still have Brett, some time. Brett, do tell uh, Halloween hater, Brett. What are <laughs> you going to be doing this weekend? For the first time in a number of years. I was invited to a Halloween. I mean, I've been invited. I'm not saying I'm like uninvitable, but previous years, as I've outlined on the show, as a Halloween curmudgeon, <laughs> I I stayed at home. I gave out candy. I participated. I mean, the World Series is always going on during damn Halloween, and I'm always watching that and crying. Anyways, I was invited to a party. I'm going to a party dressed up tonight. It's it's gonna be wild. I have not worn a costume in six years. And, Will you reveal uh, what you're going as? Yeah, I am going as Peter B. Parker, 
the <laughs> schlubbier, sadder, <laughs> slightly more overweight version <laughs> of Spider-Man from Spider-Man colon into the Spider-Verse played by voice acted wonderfully by Jake Johnson. Right. Uh, so that's what I'm doing tonight. Um, it's I, I I went to a spirit Halloween over the weekend to I try to find a spider. I mean, I mean, the, this costume, it's only wearing the Spider-Man top because he's wearing sweatpants. He looks like a hobo. It's like uh, if Spider-Man right. were a hobo. Yeah. Uh, I I try to find like a shirt. I couldn't find it. I mean, all the websites were like, we'll deliver to you in December if you want. Not helpful. No. Uh, so I went to a spirit Halloween. I got literally the last Spider-Man costume they had there and they couldn't find the price tag on it. I felt embarrassed enough while like an attractive young 22 year old woman is like <laughs> ringing me up and like, I'm just buying a plain Spider-Man costume <laughs> and they couldn't find the price and I'm standing there. I'm like, oh my God, are people just seeing me buying? You wanted a, to like, be like... Do they think I'm, I actually want to yeah. be Spider-Man for Halloween? Like I'm a baby? And then... I believe they accidentally charged me because they couldn't find the price tag or the barcode. I believe they accidentally charged me for a child's Spider-Man costume. Well, that's good. Because why would an adult man be buying <laughs> a Spider-Man costume for himself? Did you just want to say out loud, like, I, I need everyone to know I'm actually better than this? This is a bit, this is part of a more, uh, a better costume idea. I am not just going as spandex Spider-Man right. with nothing else on it. Yeah. This is part of a whole a whole thing, a whole outfit. Yeah. Well, now, now at I least got in and out. I have my sunglasses hate. on. I was like a real L.A. celeb. <laughs> at least the Hey Jeff audience knows the truth. Yeah. If if pictures come out, maybe I'll share them. Yeah. I would love to see. I and do if, avoid photos a lot. <laughs> if I end up finding out how to make my costume work, I will also share photos. Um, we had some, it was a fun week in pop culture, I think. Um, just because. Dune, the Dune discourse. The Dune discourse. I, the Dune buddies. I ranted at poor Danielle for 10 whole <laughs> minutes before we got started about Dune. It was not fun Dune, for her. Do you believe it? <laughs> um, I do not want to see Dune. You do not. And I made that clear to Brett. But that's why I don't mind hearing about it because I'm like, I'm not seeing it. So go ahead. Tell me what happens and tell me if it was good. We'll get into Survivor shortly. I'm going to make the Dune thing really short. Dune was good. I liked it. I like Denis Villeneuve's films. Yes, he's very good. He also did um, Wild and uh, the first season nope. of... Nope. That's not him? Nope. Oh, I'm thinking of someone else French. Who yeah, he's got. Of? Yeah, uh, I forget that guy. He's got a French name. No, Denis Villeneuve does lots of big sci-fi movies or action movies that are oh, completely right. humorless oh, and dark. Oh, I know. Okay, you're right. You are so right. You are a an arrival stan. Is it fair to say? Oh, I'm an arrival stan. <laughs> I'm a Sicario stan. I'm a prisoners stan. I watched. I watched Prisoners, which is a long, depressing, very difficult movie to watch. And then oh, a couple yeah. days I later, I happened to have been on a transcontinental flight from New York to Los Angeles. And I watched someone watch Prisoners <laughs> on the seat next to me. And at the end, she was, this woman was like, what the fuck? I could just see her soul <laughs> escape her body. But then we'd be stuck inside the aluminum tube somewhere over Kansas. 
I enjoyed. And I just looked at her. I was like, yeah, that movie's fucking crazy. And I, I, I bonded Prisoners. with this person. <laughs> Prisoners is good. Um, just for my own edification, I was talking about Jean-Marc Vallée. He's yes. the guy who, so, you know, still French. Excusez-moi. Um, but yeah, Denis Villeneuve does not like people to be happy. No. Um, Dune is two and a half hours long. It mm-hmm. does not have a fucking moment of levity in it. I guess a little bit with uh, Aquaman. He's like kind of uh, a Han Solo-ish rogue. Oh, Jason Momoa. Right, right, right. Yeah, he, he's not in it that much. Uh, nobody's in it that much. It's just Timothy in the sand. Yeah. <laughs> and and Becky, Becky Ferguson just walking around the sand. Uh, it It's like, a, you know, it's like a Denim movie. It, mm. There's amazing sci-fi world building and production design and sci- cinematography. There's not an ounce of levity in it. And I love it. I love sci-fi movies that are completely humorless. Serious. Um, yeah, I know. The one thing is, I, I didn't know this going in. Like, everyone's been talking about it. It's just not a complete movie. It's just not a full movie. It just ends and you're like, what? That was the end? That, that was the ending? I didn't feel like... I, there was just no resolution. There's a difference between like resolution and movies, even movies that have sequels, like they have a beginning, a middle and an end within them. It's like, all right, we blew up the Death Star and but something else has to happen or we defeated the the Green Goblin. But right. Spider-Man's something. still going on fine adventures. It, it's not uncommon for a movie to have an ending and then to have like. A postscript where it's like, oh, the adventures still continue for <laughs> our, our friends yeah. in the wild. <laughs> Reese Witherspoon. Um, this one just doesn't have it. It just doesn't have yeah. an ending. You're like, oh, OK, this over now. Uh, that's fine. So that was the only thing that was like jarring about it. But otherwise, I enjoyed it. Well, I'm sure they're just it's the first part of the Dune universe, the Dune metaverse. The universe. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> so we'll see. Much to come. I'm sure there's lots of lots of Dune coming our way because it was a hit. I think. Yeah, generally, I I, I think the the internet think people were money. just loud enough. Yeah, yeah, it did well overseas. Mm. America, it's it's much it's much too you might like it. It's too sophisticated for American palates. Denis is just his French. By the way, he's not just French. He's Canadian. Oh. <laughs> He's Quebecois. <laughs> oh, I know how he voted last month. <laughs> he Get wanted that block out. party. <laughs> um, I'm, yeah, I'm sure the overseas population really felt that. Um, should we talk about Survivor? Yes, we shall. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> For the it first was, 11 minutes. It was a juicy episode. I really wish that this episode was two hours long. Yeah, I. This was a great episode considering nobody left the island. Yeah, uh, nothing. But yeah, I mean, a lot. Happens. Why didn't they just? Why didn't they just make this a two-hour-long episode and we get? I don't know. I I did appreciate. I love this year. There's been a lot of like Jeff, like right before the cast walks in. <laughs> what they don't know is mm-hmm. that I'm hiding in the bushes with a machete. <laughs> yeah. uh, what they don't know is that you at home are not going to see a tribal council tonight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, that was kind of a bummer, but uh, I thought it was a I thought it was a great episode. I I don't I'm not too worried about what happens with this uh, this uh, 
Hourglass? I mean, it better get used. Come on. Smash that glass. <laughs> Smash that glass. That I mean, she has got Erica. Speaking of Canadians. Erica, Canadian queen. <laughs> yeah, has got to know. Did you? I, I felt really bad for her. Did you feel bad for her? Oh my God, absolutely. <laughs> I mean, absolutely. they show the pictures of her as a baby in Canada, probably so cold. And now she's alone on an island being treated coldly by her castmates, all because she wanted to get Sydney out of there, which is probably the right decision long term. Uh, it was just heartbreaking. I, I felt very bad for her. She's also just like... In stature, she's the smallest of the of the <laughs> of the survivors. The smallest one is Madeline. Yeah, she's yeah. Just I, I mean, I was thinking about like what would happen if I was on Survivor, which will never happen. These people literally didn't eat for three fucking days. Which if isn't... I don't have breakfast at like one p.m. I it's like you put me in a wheelchair. Like I I can't walk. It or has do to anything. be bullshit. I'm sorry. I'm. I put a lot of trust and faith in Survivor and I do think it's really hard and tough and I do think they're probably really hungry. But I don't believe that they would just starve for three days. That's like three days without food, genuinely like you'd end up in the hospital. Not to mention they're doing like hard, hard physical activity. So I just have to say, I think that they're get they have to be eating something. They have to be getting something. Are there electrolytes in the coconuts? Something. You can't, it's there's what's the rule and honestly i learned this rule from the movie cube <laughs> so don't so i'm not a doctor but it's like three minutes without air three days without uh food um and then it's like something else without water i think you weeks. need water before before you need food so maybe it's oh maybe it's three days without water three weeks without food but that seems a long time Anyways, I was like, "Thank you, Cube." <laughs> Thank you, Cube. I'm more of a cu a Cube two hypercube <laughs> sort of guy. Uh, all my Cube heads out there, stand up. <laughs> cube heads enter the Duneverse. I'm like, I don't know. I actually like being alone. Would I just be like so stoked to, to like be alone for two full days? Would I go Richard Hatch and just be like, it's naked time here on the beach? I mean, the walking thing around, that, singing songs yeah. to myself, just like going a bit, just getting a bit like, this is going to be the most isolated you'll ever be in your life. Like, I don't know, have fun with it. Get loud, throw yourself some like little part, like dance parties, but, run around with a, with a torch full of fire. I don't know. It would be cool. Yeah, but she's not actually alone. The camera crew is there. Mm. And I'm sure they're there the entire time just in case she does anything kooky to capture it, right? So, like, it's... I felt bad for her because I don't think they're talking to her necessarily no, except for when yeah. they're doing the confessionals. But um, it's still, like, it's alienating and a bummer. And when she saw, she got really excited for a second because she saw her rice and then there's the big pot next to it. So she was like, ooh, wonder what's in here. And then it was just water. And then it was not a lot of water. That's how much water I drink, like, before 8 a.m. Yeah, like, you got one of those big metal casks. Oh, yeah. I'm hydrated, baby. And it was just very sad. Very sad. It reminded me of uh, Shit Island from previous seasons of Exactly. Well, literally, <laughs> it's called Exile Island. When and she's Sandra just like, was just like, I'm about to live on this fucking island. <laughs> yeah. 
Screw you guys. Um, so back, anyway, back on the other island with all the non-losers, um, Rick, Shan and Richard, are, Ricard. Are Ricard, excuse me, Ricard, are still having like their lovers quarrel. They're having like their tiff. That's Jan and Ricard or Shan and Ricard are done. Yeah, they're like, that's they survived the night, but like I don't think that relationship is like no gonna survive. Like like Shan when she saw the other people, she was like, "Cool, new people, my best friend Liana." Yeah, I'm out of like, here. Uh, yeah, but you know who else noticed that some new relationships are being formed? Tiffany, my girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, isn't she growing on you? I love what I love it. I love that she's like, and other people are noticing, and I like that they're um, vocalizing it to the camera where they're like, Tiff is just really funny and charismatic. Because I'm like, good. It's not just me who notices this, <laughs> but she she's is. got a hold on the team. I did see when they select when they selected the teams for the boulder pushing competition. Another mm -hmm. sign from the universe: you should just be a boulder for Halloween. Yeah, it's true. Uh, one team had fucking Tiffany and Heather on it. I'm, and poor Xander's like, Christ, I am going to burn what few calories 100%. I have left in my body. And I'm going to lose. But you know what? I know that competition and seeing who was on which team. I was, I mean, Xander's the only dude on his team. And he's paired with, yeah, two women who are not competition threats. Let's just say it like that. But the fact that they, I mean, the way they um, figured out how to get everyone up and over that wall by literally stepping over him, climbing on him. I was like, this rules. <laughs> this is so cool. I know. I mean, I'm watching this and I'm writing like, oh, my God, is Yellow actually going to win this yeah. competition? It came relatively close despite how fucking smoked they were in the first, the, the physical part of the, the challenge. Yeah, and that was, like, just very fun to watch because, you know, who was it? Was it, it wasn't Shan, uh, Liana, I think, when she was climbing up the wall, she was like, I can't, I can't. And Jeff was like, yes, you can. And then she was like, yeah, and then she made it over. And I was screaming in my living room. I was like, yes, you can, girl. Get your ass <laughs> over that wall. I, it's very, um, is this what normal people feel when they watch the Olympics? Because I'm, like, <laughs> in it. I'm like, I'm like really rooting for them to complete these physical challenges. This had to have been one of the hardest challenges they've ever done on the show. I'm sure I'm wrong. I'm sure there are well, harder ones, but just the enormity of this fucking boulder. Well, was, my I've thing never is, seen a prop so big on the show, <laughs> and it looked really heavy. My thing is, I know that Survivor probably has insurance policies up the wazoo. What if that thing rolls backwards and gets them? What if it smushes them? It could have yeah. happened. No, and and uh, I think it was Shan was was getting on top of it, the part where they had to like stand on top of the boulder and then get this key, and she was trying to do a, a thing that was really smart, where she was kind of about three quarters, two thirds of the way up on the boulder. And then she was like, push the boulder. So where I am is eventually the top of it. That was such <laughs> right. a smart move. I don't know if they, they even did that, but I was like, I mean, that's the best I could have done is just been like, all right, I'll glom onto about hit the side of this and then you can roll, roll me up. And I knew this was a really hard competition when like the blue team, which is the fit, like most of the people from uh, the blue team, 
have never been to travel council. They've never lost. They got finished and were at the puzzle and they were all, they looked so tired and out of breath. So I was like, oh, if they, the team that's been eating and has been like doing fine, not losing anything are also exhausted. This must be the hardest competition ever. Yeah, absolutely. And maybe that was like why they, they were slow on the, the, the puzzle part of the challenge. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Um, Danny, we're beginning to see more um, strategy coming from the blue team. Both yeah. the, the, and I wanted to just call out, Danny does not want women left in the game. No. Because he's got big D energy. <laughs> he does. I, I, re I actually really like him. Um, oh, yeah, absolutely. I just was like, I don't know. Normally Seems I don't like, like yeah, I don't like Derek when guys. Derek Frazier back. <laughs> totally, totally. I don't like when guys have that issue. With Derek F, it was like, what's he going to do? So who cares? <laughs> I didn't even think of it as a threat. Whereas Danny on Survivor is a very strong player and I think has good social game as well. So... Who knows? He could make it happen. But there's also, like we saw on Big Brother, we have a very diverse cast on Survivor mm -hmm. this year. And they also had a talk of banding together and forming a bit of an alliance. And they all seemed really into it. So that would sort of undermine the get the women out plan. Yeah, we have the island cookout. Mm -hmm. Ooh, fun. Yeah, exactly. I hope so. <laughs> I hope it's not offensive. Um, <laughs> I think this is not going to have the same success as the Big Brother 23 cookout. I agree. Survivor is a much different game. I mean, the hardest thing with Survivor is that there's no nominations. Everyone's nominated right. every right. night. And the strategy changes. Who's going to go out? You have the dice. You have the, uh, the, the idols. Like, so much goes into it. There's just like... It's a lot more, for lack of a better term, random who goes home. It's not mm -hmm. random per se. It's just like it, truly anyone could go home any night and there's no way for an alliance of four to like protect themselves yeah. that much. Yeah, they kind of can, but you know, if everyone thinks that they're working together, I don't know, they're going to start getting them out. And I think Shan, I like Shan a lot. I think Shan's like, beginning to show some cracks in her strategy, like the Ricard thing, not good. Like I think Ricard is distrusting. Yeah. Is, is gonna bite her. It's gonna bite one of them. Mm -hmm. Another thing that happened on this, on this, and I'll throw it back to you. After the competition is over, Shan is walking with Liana and Tiffany's there. And Shan is like, oh yeah, so what was the power you got? Like when we went on our 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 like hike. Or whatever. Yeah. And Liana's like, oh, why the fuck is she in front of Tiffany? Who tells everybody everything? And is I, fucking, love that. Like, I love loose that. Loose cannon. It's like, Shan is coming in here. We're at the merge, right? We're post-merge. And there are all of these, like, Shan obviously is in this, like, sort of weird, like, duo with Ricard where they only really know each other very well. And she knows Liana from this one afternoon Liana's like, I have a relationship with Tiffany. I have a relationship with Xander. Like, I have these other relationships here. And Shan immediately comes in and outs Liana's power in front of, like, the merged tribe, essentially. Even if it's to one person, if one person finds out, everyone's going to find out. So, you know, like, 
that wasn't a good move for Shannon. People might say, you know what? She's playing too hard. She outed my advantage, all sorts of stuff. So I think I'm really high on her, like as a character, as a contestant on the game. But I, I do think, and she had such a strong first like six weeks or six episodes. I do think some some cracks are beginning to show. I totally agree. But can we can we just take a minute to say how great Tiffany played that moment? Because oh, yeah. Because, yeah, this big secret reveal is revealed and Tiffany's like, I would have done the same thing. I would have done the same. Like, that's so smart of you. Like, she immediately played it like, like, don't worry. I don't think this is a threat. We're still buds. I would have done the same thing. Ugh, Tiffany, brilliant mind. Tiffany's going to go far. <laughs> yes. If she can keep her mouth shut, yeah, she might go far because it's like, all right, we're now in the individual portion of the game where... In the first half of the game, in the team, in the tribe portion of the game, there's sort of a choice between getting out the strongest person or getting out the weakest person. Now in the individual individual part of the game, it's all about getting out the strongest person. And people aren't going to consider her strong. They might not consider her trustworthy. They might think that, oh, man, she talks a lot. Mm -hmm. Man, she's too social. Yeah. When I I thought that there was going to be a... Um, tribal council at um, the show. I thought Xander's number was up. I was like, he's got to go. That team's going to lose. They're going to go to um, tribal and his ass is on the line or whatever. I I just thought there's no way he's making it to the end of this episode. He does have an immunity though. He has the immunity. That's true. But he, he now, because of the like non-merge merge, he has a chance because my other fave Nasir wants to work with him (laughs) and the guys have this like other thing percolating about how they got rid of all these guys we need to start getting rid of women so he's got that on his side and so I guess that's all to say thus ends me being kind of a honestly I was kind of a fan of his but that's because he was an underdog yeah yeah it was fun watching him be like constantly beaten down constantly trying so hard and never winning um, and then going, he, in his confessional where he thought, he thought his number was up too. He really looked like he had been crying for a couple days. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think this gets into what, uh, Erica's challenge or what the, the question posed to her at the right. end of the episode is. It's like, we didn't we're even about explain to it. Okay. So at the end of the episode. Jeff comes in on a speedboat. He wrecks <laughs> He wrecks his pristine white Adidas, jumping straight into the okay. ocean. I noticed that too. I was like, because he was getting up on the boat and I was like, when's he going to jump? He can't jump into the water. He he's wearing shoes. He, he's got to look cool because you know he's got to look cool when he jumps. But he jumped into the water and his shoes and pants got soaking wet and he like landed in a way that did not look comfortable. I was like, I know in his mind, he was like, shit. <laughs> but we can't do it again. <laughs> I mean, I, he can probably afford another $125 pair of sneakers. But I know he wanted that to look cooler than it did. It looked like he fell. <laughs> <laughs> I love when Jeff comes to like to comes to the people outside of the context of tribal or a challenge. I love when he strolls like someone's like got a fucking stick going through their lung and all of a sudden Jeff like the doctors aren't there yet but Jeff is like he's coming in like <laughs> Vince McMahon walking down <laughs> yeah. the, the ramp and he's like 
tell me what you're feeling right now. Can you breathe? <laughs> uh, so I, I'm on one side I, that um, I'm trying to figure out who, uh, who won the challenge and who didn't. So Danny, Deshaun, Evie, Ricard, Sydney, and Nasir are currently safe, meaning the other ones, see, this site only has a list of who won, not who the other six are. But I guess it's Liana, Tiffany. Shan. Shan, Xander. Heather. Heather and Ricard? Yes. No, no Ricard's no, on the no, Ricard. No Ricard. Yeah, Xander's the only guy on that team. So, Jeff presents Erica with a hourglass. If she smashes the hourglass, the results of the challenge are flipped. Erica and the losers are actually the winners. They're safe. And the other six people are the only people um, eligible to be voted out at the next tribal council. I do believe there's going to be another individual um, immunity challenge that whatever team remains, the losers will do an individual immunity challenge amongst those six. So only five people would be eligible to be voted out at at the next tribal council. I don't think what I was a little bit surprised by is that I don't think there's really enough of a disincentive for Erica. I thought it would be like, oh, yeah, no. oh you do this and you're safe for the week, but you can't participate in the next two immunity challenges. Or there, there was nothing. It was just like, do it and you're safe for the week. Because Six know people might hate you. You know why? Because they didn't want this twist to flop. This is not Big Brother. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They're not giving a chance for them to not, for her to not do this twist. She's smashing that thing. We're getting the rewind, replay, redo, and it's going to be drama and excitement. There's no way she's not doing it. And the Survivor producers wanted to make damn sure of that. They said, if we're having Jeff jump off a speeding boat into the water, ruining his Bomba's socks... (laughs) <laughs> then we are going to make sure that she smashes that thing. At least they donated a pair. <laughs> they did donate a pair. Before they got wet. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're right. Maybe it's just great producing where it's just like, there's no there's no incentive. There's I no mean, downside. From Erica's perspective, she's like, I know I'm hated by half of these people anyways. I'm going to be safe for the week. And if they still hate me a week from now, so be it. You yeah, know, 100%. Uh, that's, yeah. Now so, that's TV. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, that's HBO. <laughs> uh, we love it. So can't wait. That And that's the thing. I wanted that to happen this episode. I wanted to see the smash. I wanted to see the reactions. Like, I'm, I'm excited for next week. Yeah, I'm excited too. Like, it'll, I just want to see, I want to see, I want to see 10 people at Tribal yelling at each other. Mm-hmm. Whispering. Um, I missed that this week. Yeah. We'll see this glass smash for sure. I love they're, they're setting it up like, oh, I'm going to think about this overnight. I'm sure they're going to frame this up. Like she's going to be, the camera's going to be behind her. She's going to be like, <laughs> staring out at the sunrise on the ocean. Mm-hmm. She's like, it's a new day. And it's also a new day for my game. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I'm going to smash this shit. <laughs> we just had, um, I want to get to just one, a couple comments and questions about Survivor before we move on from the saboteur BB. I was kind of into the dumb hourglass twist. Um, I don't think it's dumb. I think it rules. <laughs> so yes, I'm into it too. <laughs> Us and too. Then, 
Um, Magnificent said, I was truly as confused on a, as a goat on AstroTurf when Jeff was explaining the new merge rules. I mean, everything on this show is confusing, but amusing. Yeah. <laughs> That's the rule. The golden rule is you can only be confusing if you're also amusing. And then another question from Magnificent. Do we think Tiffany is going to tell Xander and Nasir about Liana's advantage? That may be good strategy for her, especially if she can collect the idol so that when Liana asks her questions to Nasir and Xander, they actually don't have the idol or maybe just vote Liana out. I think, yeah, I think Tiff is definitely going to use this information to her advantage, whether it's specifically telling Xander and Nasir or using it for some other um, back channeling purpose. I'm not entirely sure. But you, T Tiff is a strategic mastermind. So, yeah, she's going to make this. She's like, work hard. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, that's a smart idea, Kent. Yeah. Uh, is Tiffany smart enough to say that? Like, oh, you actually have to give me your idols so you can't lose yours. Also, if fucking Tiffany came up to you and was like, all right, Helen, <laughs> you got to give me your idols or else you're going to go vote it out. I, I don't know. Would you trust her? I think they do trust her. I think everyone trusts her. Yes. Even Xander? Mm. I don't know if anyone trusts Maybe her. Maybe not Xander. Like, I think like the, the, the girls on the Yellow Tribe, I think like Evie and Liana have like a working relationship with her. Yeah. But I don't know if anyone trusts her. Yeah, maybe they're just like, maybe it's not trust isn't the right word, but it's like they're, they're, they're willing to do what she wants. <laughs> so there's something about her that gets them to do what she wants. It's not trust, but something. So I think that's a strong power that might work. She's definitely going to spread it. I don't know if. I don't know if like actionable strategy is going to come from it. That's my prediction one last thought about danny's faves loved when nasir was like i love the color <laughs> oh, oh yeah the it's very buff. nice it's not it's not red it's like it's got like just this it's like uh, a hot pink pinkish hue to it. i like it yeah it's gorgeous but i just love oh, yeah. how like amused he is by certain things um all right gang i think that's it about survivor any final thoughts smash that glass Smash that glass. We also, so Brett's really nice and wanted to make sure that we tell everyone we're going to talk about Succession now. So if you haven't watched it, spoiler alert. Yeah, well, we talked about the pilot, the premiere of season three like a day after it came out because we did a podcast right. on a Tuesday. But now we're always talking about it. If we continue with our Friday recording schedule, we're always going to be talking about it five, six days after people have enough time to watch it. Um, to it, yeah. So we'll talk it. We'll get into it a little bit. Uh, if you, spoilers for you, see you later. Yeah. Uh, I liked it. Oh, it loved was a. It. it was, I think, a little bit of a step down. I think the 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 premiere was fireworks. Everyone was throwing their fastball. Everyone was doing their bits, and this one was a lot more. I don't know if you could see the strings of like the COVID producer being like. This one's got to take place in a nine-year-old girl's room. <laughs> like, I don't know. I'm I'm excited to leave Rava's apartment. 
I, I, right. I was a bit surprised that we spent so much time there mm-hmm. over 20% of the season. Um, I hope they get back to their jet-setting ways. I mean, right. this is a form of escapism. Of It's like, oh, they're on a yacht in the Maldives. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, good call out. Even if they're I, just I'm in, sure it must yeah. have been during the height of COVID that they were filming. It must have been. Yeah, it was earlier in the year, I believe. Okay. So I'm sure that that did limit a lot of what they could do. Um, but yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I know that they... They put them in the kids' room because it's like, this is probably what they were like when they were kids. And like, they're reverting back to their childhood dynamics or whatever. Um, but I loved it. I thought it was great. You know what my favorite line of the episode was? was she was when- saying, unsubscribe. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was when Kendall was like, I'm the I'm the real you. Yeah. To- that was that was those are that was a that line and when Shiv really goes after Roman we're like really some fireworks moments where yeah where Kendall is just like you go around saying you're you're like the liberal Roy uh right you know child you're out there working for like a liberal senator you're doing all this stuff but you're just as bad as the rest of us. Mm-hmm. I'm just honest about it. And you're right. not being honest because you have this image of who you think you are, but you're just, a, you're, you're as evil as our dad and Roman and me, mm-hmm. except for Kendall's the only one. That was great. And then when Shiv in the kids room, Shiv's Roman about Jerry and he, and I actually rewatched the scene last night. She asks Roman, like, oh, if, she, if if he likes the idea of Jerry being the, the CEO. And he's like, actually, I support it. And then he she kind of just, like, steps on his throat about it. And, like, she makes this joke about, like, oh, you got to fuck. You always whip your pee-pee up, but you got to fuck something someday. And he, like, mm-hmm. gets really upset and leaves the room. <laughs> I, uh, it was, uh, I love those moments like that. Where even in an episode, I'm like, what, what are they doing? They're just kind of sitting in a room talking. I mean, every every scene of that show was just sitting in a room talking. But I'm like... Felt like the season might be going more places, but then you have a moment where it's like, oh, they're really like, yeah, hitting the bone with some yeah. of these, these stabbings, these drive-bys. So good. The family dynamics are just really good, um, and I just I found it very satisfying an episode because the first episode kind of did this, but I still saw a lot of. Um, tweets and opinions where they were like, oh, team Kendall, you know, like we love Kendall, like as if Kendall's a good character, like he's a great character, but as if he's like the one you're supposed to be rooting for. Right. Whereas my whole thing is like, they all suck. They're all bad. And he is, he killed someone. He is bad too. And this episode did an even better job of showing like, he is a bad person, actually. Like, you, he's not like, oh, poor wounded little Kendall, and now he's going to rise from the fire like girl boss Kendall. Yay. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> he sucks, too. But in it, it's great. Like, that's, that's what the character should be. But I just liked that because I was getting sick of people being, like, rooting as if he is a good character. I know a good person. Like, I know people need something to root for. 
But much like Big Brother, I'm written for the drama, baby. I'm not. Oh, yeah. I don't have like, I think they're all horrible. And that's what makes it fun. I do not care who becomes CEO of no, Star Wars. Exactly, exactly. I do not care. And that is the A <laughs> plot of the show. I haven't seen a Game of Thrones, but is that the same thing where it's like, who becomes the Game of Thrones? Who wins the Game of Thrones? Right. Who gets the right. throne? Who gets the hat? The crown. That's what it's called. Yeah, the king hat. Yeah, that's the ticket. Yeah. From my perception of it, it's about the journey, man. Like, mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't, obviously, I think people were upset with like who won the throne in that show in the end, but it's about the journey. It's about all these little interactions. It's about the off Broadway play that Connor Roy <laughs> <laughs> is producing. Yeah, like, I don't care who, who like, that's not the, that's not the point of the show. And I, I'm with guess you. What? I, it's not going to make any difference. Actually, in the end, it doesn't matter who's running this corporation. It's still a shitty corporation that makes the world worse. Like, that's that's the thing. It doesn't matter. That's what I mean. That's what I like about. I really like. I don't know how you feel about movies or television shows with like ambiguous, very ambiguous endings. Like, um, what's the what's the Leo DiCaprio? Uh, Inception. Mm. Inception is a perfect one where it's like a hyper ambiguous ending. There is like a fifth, the movie ends and you know, by the last shot, if that cuts away too early, either X happens or Y happens and you don't know the ending. I love those because who cares if the top falls over or not? It's a movie about dream heists. Oh, no. So that's what I was going to say. Of another, another, it's about the CEO who becomes the CEO of a fake company. Who cares? It doesn't matter. The interesting part of an ambiguous ending is that both things get to happen in your mind and you can make of it what you will because it's a movie. It's fake. It doesn't matter if the top stays up or if the top falls over. It doesn't matter who becomes the next CEO because it's all fake. But if it's ambiguous, then both things get to happen and you get to envision all endings in your mind, in the the dune space of your own mind. I think Inception is not a good example to use because... I think it's a fantastic example. (laughs) Because I don't know what the hell happened in that movie anyway, so why do I care how it ends? I don't care. It could not... I didn't know what they were talking about when they spun that thing. (laughs) I was like, man, Cotillard died? (laughs) Like that? (laughs) I was a little hung up. So, yeah, I don't care. I think a better example is The Sopranos. Great show. Great show. You know what's happening in that exactly. show. And exactly. Exactly. the end, Does he die? you don't Does know what not? happens. Know. Doesn't matter. Both happen. Yeah. <laughs> Doesn't matter. It would be weird if, like, it'd be weird if the movie Sully had uh, <laughs> had a ambiguous ending where it's like, he's about to crash the plane into the Hudson, <laughs> and they're like... Directed by <laughs> Denis Villeneuve. <laughs> yeah, it's like, does he land? It's like, well, we know. Yeah, I got the New York Post the next morning. <laughs> um, yeah. Are there any other there? There's something a little meaty that I want to talk about that's related to Succession. Are there any Get other it. like standout things that Hit you want to talk the about? Meat. Okay, just one last thing from the episode. I loved that they had James Cromwell say that'll do. <laughs> Cromwell and how is tall good. is he? He is so he's tall. tall. He's huge. He is as tall as Nicholas Braun. And Nicholas Braun's six seven. That's that guy's name, right? Nicholas Braun. Cousin yeah. Greg. Yeah. Um, James Carwell is he's six seven. He's a tall boy. Love him. Love him. All oh, right. Yeah. And speaking of old men, I love 
So the family patriarch, Logan, as mm-hmm. played by Brian Cox, the actor, he has a book coming out, Brian Cox. Have you seen any of the quotes from this book, Brett? No. So <laughs> much in the vein of a Quincy Jones or a Katie Couric, uh, Brian Cox has reached an age where he's like, I don't give a fuck. I'll talk shit. <laughs> so I guess this book is just him talking shit about like everyone he's worked with. And a couple choice quotes have hit the press and I'd love to read some to you. Oh, I would love to hear them. I know okay. nothing about this. I'm, I'm psyched. Yeah. Well, so like just picture Logan Roy... But um, writing this book with a much stronger Scottish accent, okay? Um, So regarding Michael Caine, Michael Caine is an institution. And being an institution will always be having range. What does that mean? That's oh, I mean, I I don't think it was negative. I think it's it's like he's got range, man. He can play Michael. He can play Michael Caine. As a butler, he can play him as a a saucy millionaire. He can play him but as... But he's saying well, that Michael Caine is an institution, not that he has the range. He says Michael doesn't have the range. Oh, he doesn't. Sorry, one more... Hit me with the quote one more time. Michael Caine is an institution, and being an institution will always beat having range. Oh, will always beat having range. Oh, okay. I thought you said being an institution or whatever. Yeah, I mean, so it's the opposite. He doesn't have range. Yeah. He doesn't have range. Clooney's an institution. Clooney plays Clooney in every movie. (laughs) Yeah. I guess he's, he's, it, it's weird because it's like, it's honestly a very good backhanded compliment. (laughs) So, because he's like, it beats having range, but having range is the point of being an actor often. So, yeah. I mean, if you're fucking Day Day Lewis making a chair. Sure. Right. Oh, yeah. DDL. Yeah. Um, Michael Caine doesn't need that shit. Michael Caine is like a sex symbol over the course of like five decades. I know. He's really been around for a long time. If you haven't seen the original The Italian Job, highly recommend checking it out. Um, He writes, so another one that he said, Ed Norton is a nice lad, but a bit of a pain in the arse because he fancies himself a writer director. (laughs) Yes, 100% correct. <laughs> I'm glad you said this. This is no secret. <laughs> Steven Seagal. He, Edward Norton tried to like take over the Hulk movie and they're mm-hmm. like, you know, he's not a pain in the ass. Mark Ruffalo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's get him. <laughs> let's get him. We don't care. We're also, just going to bury this movie. Yeah, <laughs> he was Ruffalo all along. <laughs> the movie, yeah, wasn't it, Um, wasn't Ang Lee the director of that Hulk? Different, that was the Eric Bana Hulk movie that was oh, not okay. part of the MCU. There okay. is a Hulk movie in the MCU. It came out like right after Iron Man and Edward Norton's in it. And Edward Norton like fancied himself a writer director. And he was like, he like wanted to rewrite the ending. So like the Hulk, I don't know, like goes to Yale or something like that. <laughs> and he was no- an asshole about it. <laughs> and they're like, you're done. Let's get someone nice to play this part. Wow. I had truly no clue. Oh, um, yeah. On Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal, Seagal is as ludicrous in real life as he appears on screen. He radiates a studied serenity as though he's on a higher plane to the rest of us. And while he's certainly on a different plane, no doubt about that, it's probably not a higher one. <laughs> <laughs> 
First of all, when did Brian Cox and Steven Seagal work together? I don't know, but I need to see it. And then this one, this one I think might really ruffle some feathers. David Bowie. A skinny kid and not a particularly good actor. He made a better pop star. That much is for certain. <laughs> I just love how, how like British these quotes sound. <laughs> He's like basically being like, this guy sucks, but in polite British speak. Um, David right. Bowie was, I mean, he was in like five movies. I know he was in how, you know, he didn't have to really kill it in Labyrinth. He did kill it. He didn't have to be like, to use a, a Brett reference, Daniel Day-Lewis in Labyrinth. <laughs> he was always, he was always, he was in like five movies and every single time used because the shock value of like having a weird ass David Bowie with two different color eyes in that movie. Yeah, like, that like, crazy all right, hair. Who's a weird guy who's just like, whoa, you see him like, whoa, who's that? That's a weird looking guy. Let's yeah. get David Bowie and like... We're going to have Tom Hanks play Nikola Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> um, on Quentin Tarantino. I find his work meretricious. It's all surface. Plot mechanics in place of depth. Style where there should be substance. I walked out of Pulp Fiction. That said, <laughs> that said. <laughs> if I was the folk- say, this is a guy who's seen Pulp Fiction <laughs> once, but not even that much. That said, if the phone rang, I'd do it. <laughs> I love it. He's like, you suck, but if you want to work together, I'm open to it. <laughs> yeah, I'll say I'll say fuck a bunch of times if you pay me. <laughs> I love that. I feel like Quentin Tarantino would respect it. That's um, just funny too, where it's like, oh, this is just sounds like someone who's only seen Pulp Fiction once. Mm-hmm. And he clearly he did he, no, and clearly like didn't even watch all of it. So yeah. Um, And then finally, Johnny Depp. Personable, though I'm sure he is. He is so overblown, so overrated. I mean, Edward Scissorhands, let's face it. If you come on with hands like that and pale, scarred face makeup, you don't have to do anything. And he didn't. And subsequently, he's done even less. (laughs) (laughs) He just like burns all these actors. I mean, let me tell you, these quotes are doing their job because I'm like, I got to read this book. (laughs) I do get the sense that Brian Cox stopped watching movies in 1995. (laughs) Definitely. These are all like very 90s references. Where's the Timmy Chalamet reference? I mean, he's like, he's aware that these Pirates movies came out. I'm not trying to defend the Pirates movies. He's aware of them, but he's like, I'm not going to watch them. He said he turned down Pirates. He was going to, he could have been in it. Maybe he would have been uh, the famous Jeffrey Rush role. Oh, God. No, you that better start sucked. believing in ghost stories. You're in one. <laughs> Love that line. I actually rewatched um, that movie a couple of weeks ago. It's pretty good. Up. It's pretty it's, good. It's About 20 good. minutes too long. About 20 minutes too long. There's a lot. The ending needs to be sped up a little bit. Yeah. Well, just in case anyone's curious, if you're like, wow, Brian Cox hates all these people. Does he like anyone? Apparently he had nice quotes about Alan Rickman, Morgan Freeman, and Keanu Reeves. Oh, yeah. <laughs> which Keanu de- Reeves. Which, <laughs> which definitely lends credence to breast theory that these are all, again, very 90s people. <laughs> so um, he definitely, yeah, is stuck in the 90s. But hey, don't we all wish we were? 
Brian Cox is 75 years old. <laughs> if he stopped watching movies in his 50s, my parents stopped watching movies. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's just like, I'm done watching movies. I, yeah. I act in them because it's my job, but he thinks of himself as like a plumber. Right. I show up. Quentin Tarantino tells me to <laughs> say some words and I say them and I go home. Yeah, 100%. So very fun. Love that for us. Thank you, Brian Cox, for yeah. writing a book. Um, and then one last little po- thing w- that we started watching this week. I started watching the show Catla on Netflix. Have you heard of it? No. So it is Icelandic. Sure. I think it takes place. It's hard because like, I don't know what language they're speaking. Honestly, I don't know where the fuck this show takes place. (laughs) I think it's Iceland, but it's, it's on, it's like an active volcano. I mean, it looks, if any of it is green screen, it doesn't look that way. It looks like they're actually next to an active volcano. It's gorgeously filmed. Brett, you would love it. It's gray as hell. It is, is it gray funny? and dark. Please say no. no. Please say no. It's not funny. There's no one in this show has a sense of humor. There's no humor whatsoever. It's like these people are living in the aftermath of this volcano and only a couple people are still living there because they have to like close up the town. But suddenly this one person comes back naked, covered in ash. And they're like, oh, my God, it's you. It's someone who survived. Yeah, well, that oh, no. was like what volcano means, I guess, in the language. Where does I got it take the place? one sentence. I got the one sentence synopsis from Netflix itself. The catastrophic eruption of subglacial volcano Catla turns a nearby community's world upside down as mysteries begin to emerge from the ice. Yeah, people, people are the mysteries that oh, yeah. that the people of the town know in some way. So it's like got that um, that Justin Theroux show, uh, you know. What's the leftovers. It? Leftovers. My feel. favorite show of 2021. Exactly. exactly. But it's out, also, you know, five years before that. <laughs> it's kind of spooky and it's foreign. So they're very serious. I think I you might have, like it. I'll check it out. Um, I did, speaking of like shows that border the Arctic Circle, I did yeah. watch the hockey show. Bear Town, I think is what it's called. Oh yeah, I've seen the poster. I yeah, I didn't I didn't get I didn't get too far into it. Um some things happened in it which yeah. I found incredibly off-putting that made me not to not want to watch the show ever again. There's yeah. So, uh yeah, I'll check it out. Here's my deal with with uh with uh foreign television shows. Love I love foreign meat. I mean, I love fucking mm. Parasite, man. I was team Parasite. Yeah. Television is like a passive experience. Sometimes I just want to be swiping through the dating apps while the television is on. Sure. And I can't do that with with subtitled shows. Sure, I could watch it with dubs, yeah. but that's not as much. One of my favorite shows ever is The Americans. And like a third of that show is in Russian. And I had to put the phone away because... You got to pay attention because I'll like I'll I'll like open up a game on my phone and then I'm like I have no idea what just happened on the show because they were talking Russian for five minutes, right? Um, so I don't know. I I I I did I tell you I only got three episodes into Squid Game. I didn't yeah, stop watching because it. it was in a different language. I stopped watching because I just hated watching extras get shot in the head, right? Which was a, a feature of every episode. 
Yeah, no, I, I get that. There is like some violence in Kotla, but it's, there's definitely some disturbing stuff in Kotla, but it's just so serious that, and like deals with the afterlife that I thought you would find it. Oh, And so okay. gray. It's just so gray, Brett. Is the real violence what we do to each other and what we're doing to planet Earth? Mm, maybe. Okay. <laughs> um, I'm not done. I have one episode left, but maybe. Um, it's also still very confusing. I have one episode left and I'm like, wait, so how did this, what? <laughs> but I just thought if anyone like Brett out there wants something that's got like scary-ish, gray, spooky, and it's in Iceland, then check it out. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty sure it's in Iceland. Um, all right. We have yeah. one question that I want to get to, which is from E. Tulinator. She wants to know, would love to know your thoughts on rebranding as Meta. And this is in response to not only Facebook rebranding as Meta, but noted Big Brother celebrity. Oh. No, noted Big Brother celebrity contestant, Meta World Peace, aka Ron Artest. His name now is Ron Standiford Artest. Oh, he's he not changed Meta it again. World Peace. He still goes by Meta World Peace publicly. He has a podcast and it says like Meta World Peace in the like, podcast description and stuff. Okay. Um, but he did legally change his name again. Huh. And Stanford is his, he took his wife's, he got married, good for him. And he took his wife's, he like split his name with his wife's. Anyways, huh. um, the Facebook thing is dumb. Who cares? I don't use their product. And the best, I don't either. The best thing I saw about the Facebook thing was a tweet from Amanda Mole, who's a writer for The Atlantic. And she said, mostly just big congrats to the outside firm who, you know, grifted a billion dollars off oh of Facebook God, yeah. for being the ones to be like, let's rebrand the parent company. <laughs> like, you know, they paid some company a billion dollars to do tell them that this was a good idea and that's it. And yeah, well, the, like I don't, I think it was obviously Zuckerberg's idea to rebrand the company. First of all, by the way, this happens all the time. Google is not Google. Google is, they did this. They were called Google and then they changed the parent company's name to Alphabet. And right, Google exactly. is a part of Alphabet, the larger company. They didn't even and change the name. We don't care. No one symbol. cares. Yeah. Um, so all the things that Google owns are all like these separate companies within something called Alphabet. And the same thing is going to happen with Facebook where, okay, Facebook is now a company within Meta and Instagram and Oculus are all separate companies instead of whatever. Who cares? I don't use their products. Their products are bad for the world. Same. Uh, the, so the idea probably came from him because he's like, we've had a, uh, about a month of bad news. We should change it. But what I'm interested in related to you is like, you, you take the branding side, the idea of like, we need to change the name to Meta. And then you deliver to that to like some sort of branding company who like delivers a 65 page pitch deck with yeah. like the logo of it. And it's like the rounded corners of the M go at a 23 <laughs> degree angle. Yeah. And if you multiply 23 by four, the amount of angles in an M, then you get 106, which is like, and you're like, I urge every human being to Google, I don't know how you can find it, Google like Pepsi logo pitch deck. <laughs> I don't know. I don't Have know you seen I this Pepsi thing? 
have you seen the Pepsi logo no. pitch deck? So like 10 years ago, Pepsi was like, we want to rebrand. And some fucking psychotic mushroom company did a like 100 page deck about like of just all these different variations of the Pepsi logo. And it is pure nonsense. And it, they must have paid this company millions and millions and millions of dollars to be like, Pepsi logo is the world and the world is us. And if you turn it upside down, then the Pepsi flows into us the way that we flow into each other and the universe flows through our souls. And you're like, what the fuck? So as someone who like works in, you know, <laughs> you're the same person. Yeah. You, wait, you work in like tech, large scale media. Like this shit happens all the times where a company like has an idea of we want a new logo or we want to change our name. Right. We don't have any great ideas, so let's pay the dumbest motherfuckers mm -hmm. around millions <laughs> of dollars to make a fuck to take acid and make the stupidest slideshow possible. And that's what happened with Meta. And I urge everyone to find it on about Pepsi. I'm just gonna find it. I'm gonna tweet it out from Hey Julie. Yeah, you, you find it and tweet it for all of our listeners. And I would like to urge everyone, if you haven't deleted Facebook at this point, just do it. I know everyone says, but what about marketplace? You know what? Just use Craigslist. <laughs> like Oh, I've is that even enough. a thing? I have I have not had Facebook for five years. So I don't even know like what things are, are on it. So just delete uh, it. You'll feel better. I love not having it. I feel like a oh whole person. I wanted to get an Oculus thing, but you have to have a Facebook to use it. And it's like, well. There is like, there is a lot of that, which is um, disturbing, which is like, you know, sign in with your Facebook account. And I'm like, no, but you can, do, you, most things you can do with a Google account. So it's fine. <laughs> Google is better for the world. <laughs> um, anyway, thank you Yeah, they you only all. just know every thought you ever have. Yeah, right. And they're selling it. Um, thank you all so much for listening. We really went down lots of different pathways today. We started at haunted houses and we ended ended with a advertising duopoly knowing all of your innermost thoughts. Yeah. As we always do on Hey Julie and Hey Jeff. <laughs> you never know where we're going to go. Thank you for listening. Thanks for sending in your questions and comments. Send us more at Hey Julie BB on Twitter. And we will see you next week for some more hot pop culture chats. Bye, Jeff. Spooky Halloween, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs>